Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're exploring the book of 1 John and learning how to walk in light, walk in love. Now let's join Kurt for today's episode. And welcome back, friends, to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Uh, thanks for being with us. Looks like we're going to complete chapter three today, but sometimes I wonder, I'll get into some of these verses and they're so rich that um, I just get sidetracked. So I'm going to try to stay on time today. I know we've been a little bit off here recently and I'm going to try to get through the end of the chapter. So I hope you'll hang on for the ride. First John chapter three, we are in verse number 22 and we're in this section, John, where we, we've been talking about the love of God for sure, God's great love for us and, and the consequent love that because we have the love of God dwelling in us, that we ought to be loving others. And we can actually even be assured of our own salvation when we have this internal motivation to serve and help other people. It's a, it's a, it's a, a validation to us. Uh, and yet, even when we fail, we know that we have the promise of God and God is greater than our heart. We talked a little bit about that and the confidence that we ought to be able to have in the Lord in our daily walk with God. And it's that theme that I want to uh, pick up on today. So verse number 22, talk about the confidence that a believer should have and can have, should have in, in God. The Bible says, and whatsoever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit, which he hath given us. So, you know, verse 22 is one of those verses that's so assuring in the Bible, and yet it's been so misused as well. So let's see if we can unpack it a little bit. Verse number 22, whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Okay, so I'm going to throw this at you, John. I'm going to let you speak to it. So some people would look at this verse almost like it's a, a transactional verse. Okay, well, I just need to keep God's commandments so I can ask for my Ferrari and God will give me my Ferrari. Because the Bible says if I just do the things that he tells me to do, then he's going to give me whatever I want. Is that what the verse is teaching? Of course not, Pastor. You, you and I both have talked to people over the course of our life that have that mentality. You know, they're not living for God and they, they pray for something. You know, prayer doesn't work. And I, I've had people tell me, and you probably have as well, you know, prayer just doesn't work. You know, I, I do these things, you know, you, you'll, you'll receive what you ask for. But they, they completely miss what John is teaching here. John has talked about people who are walking with God, people who are keeping God's commandments, people who want to do what God has for them in their lives. They're not living selfishly. Their desire is to please God and to follow God. And we all know this, God wants to give us what we need to serve Him. As we're out serving Him, God is going to lay upon our hearts to the Holy Spirit, you know, hey, th these are things that you ought to be praying for. And God brings different people in our life with prayer requests. But the focus here is not, you know, in myself, just what do I want? You know, James deals with this in James 4. You know, mm -hmm. you, you ask, you receive not because you ask amiss. 
John is dealing with, when we're walking with God, we're wanting to follow him, then our, our prayers are going to be, God, as I follow you and serve you, you know, we answer this prayer in my life. Every parent understands this. You know, your, your three-year-old is going to ask for things that your, when he's six, he's not going to ask for that. You know, your 10-year-old your has a level of maturity that asks for things that you're going to say, no, of course not. But as your kids mature, here's the key. As your kids mature, they know more and more as they know you, as they know your character, as they, are appreh- as they apprehend your love, your kids know what to ask for and they know what not to ask for. And as we grow in grace... As we're captured by the love of God as our motivation, as we're walking in light and walking in love, the ideal is this. The ideal is that when we're walking in the light as he is in the light, as we are walking in love and his, the love of Christ is now becoming my motivation for what I do and how I interact with people, then there's no limit to what God will do and how God will supply and outfit and equip that person because that person's living in the sweet spot, that place where God wants him to live. That's a great thought, Pastor, how that, you know, God, as we walk with God, God God does want to give us the resource that we need to to serve him. And how that as we follow God, you know, the the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. If we commit ourselves to following God and we say, God, I want to follow you, God is going to guide us even in our prayers. There may be things that we think at first we ought to pray for, but I think of the Apostle Paul. Paul thought he would be better off without the thorn in the flesh. He prays for it and God says, Paul, stop praying about that. I'm not going to do that because you actually need that in your life to help you be all you can be in me in your God. And so I believe that God, you know, if we may pray for something, but then God will change our mind and say, Hey, that's, that's not the right prayer request. Yeah. And that's how God guides us in our lives. Yeah. Maybe you've heard it this way. Delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee desi- the desires of thine heart. And I think what the verse is teaching is not that, okay, well, Lord, I, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of butter you up so I can get what I want. That, that is such a low view of God and of the verse. You know, I think the better understanding is, boy, as we delight in God, as our desire is to know him, to know his heart, to think his thoughts, that's the word of God. You know, and the more we, when the word, if, if, if my words abide in you, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, Jesus said, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. So there's the ideal. The ideal is if we could perfectly think like Jesus, we could perfectly get our prayers answered because the only prayers we'd be, be praying would be those consistent with the uh, our obedience to his word. Exactly right, Pastor. As you were talking about that, my mind went back to you know Jesus. And as he prays the Father, we find the Father answers the prayers. You know, m- Miraculous things happen. Jesus does great things. Um, and he's praying to the Father because he knows the will of the Father. And we find time and time the Gospels, where the Bible emphasizes Jesus came to do the will of the Father. We find that even in Luke 2, the first thing he says, you know, to his parents, uh, did you not know I had to be about my father's business? You know, wished ye not that I must be doing this. And I like what you said, uh, the idea, the, the more we're like Christ, the more our prayer life will be what it ought to be. Yeah. So the, the key here is not, how do I get more of my prayers answered? That's the wrong way to approach it. The, the way to approach it is, how can I think more like God? Yes. 
How can I be more controlled by his spirit? Because when when our confidence our confidence is in him, when his confidence is in us, <laughs> in that sense, look at verse number twenty three, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another, as he gave us commandment. So if you wanted to encapsulate you know, God's expectation for us, it would be live by faith in Jesus. And that faith ought to be expressed in the way you treat other people. So when it says believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, in other words, live your life by the faith of the son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. Uh, Live by faith and living by faith is always going to express itself in the way that we love other people. You know, I love how we keep on coming back to this thought in the, in the, here in the epistle of 1 John, how that love is so instrumental in our life. And love, how we love people affects so much in our Christian walk. You know, I think even in 1 Peter 3, where Peter's talking about how a husband treats his wife. Now he lives with her and you know, dwells with her core of knowledge. How that how a husband treats his wife does have an effect upon his prayer life. Why? Because it comes back to what we're talking about right here about how we're like Christ and how we're living in love is instrumental in our prayer life and how God answers our prayers as we walk with him. And, and just think about that simple commandment that we should believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and love one another. The, the way that you live your life, the, 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 the loving way by which you treat other people, whether it be your family or your coworkers, your fellow church members, people that come in contact with you, is ultimately an expression of your faith. It's an expre- because you're not going to live a life of—if love sacrifices, if love is a matter of not looking at myself first but looking at others— then really what that expresses is a faith that understands it's worth it. A faith that understands that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. It's to understand that the greatest good is not in getting, but in giving. The greatest good is not in preserving life, but giving life in sacrificing. So when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, what we're saying is we believe in salvation. We believe in him as our savior. We believe in his example as being valid for our living. We believe in his call upon our life. We believe in his word. So as we believe on all that Jesus represents, it's going to show up in the way that we love and serve other people. You know, it is no wonder, Pastor, that the Bible says multiple times, you know, the just shall live by faith. And I like what you talked about that relationship between faith and love in our Christian walk. You know, if we're all, if we're all just frank, we would say there are times we just don't feel like loving people. You know, we're tired, we're worn out. And, and I, I realize our motivation ought be, it ought always be love for God. But there are times that we're just not who we ought be. But even in those times, we ought serve God in faith. Say, God, I know this is what you say. And although I may not feel like this, I know by faith I want to please you. And so, God, I'm going to love this person the way I ought to because that is what you have commanded me to do. Um, The the reference is escaping me right now. You you, can help me on it, John. But faith that worketh by love. And there's a connection between faith and love. And that's the connection that Paul, or rather John, is pointing out here in verse 23. Look at the last verse, just quickly, of chapter 3. And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him. And he, that's God, 
Christ in him and in, in the obedient one. And hereby we know that he abideth in us. See that theme thought there, knowing, being assured of. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. And that really introduces our topic for next episode. But let's go back to the beginning of verse 24. He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him. Too often, John, we try to make the Christian life some kind of a mystical, esoteric experience, like some kind of a, almost like a, a yoga meditation type. And that's not it. What the Bible's teaching here is, do you want to dwell, do you want to, do you, do you want God to dwell in your heart in a practical way? Do you want to practice the presence of God and have God's spirit control you? Well, the Bible says, then the resource you have is the word of God. God has given us his word so that we can understand something about his heart. God has given us his word so we can understand something about his character. And as we guard the ministry of the word of God in our life, as we keep it, the Bible says we, we are thinking the thoughts of God. We are bearing the priorities of God and God is dwelling in us. So it's a very, very practical verse, is it not? It sure is, Pastor. You know, many people throughout church history have talked about some mystical type of experience. It's really hard to pin it down. You know, are you really right with God? And, and there is this subjective feelings base, you know, well, yeah, I'm right with God because I feel great. Satan loves for people to feel that way because that can be completely false. But what it comes to is God pins down for us. How can we know if we're right with him? Are we obeying him? Jesus says, you know, if you love me, you're going to keep my commandments. And so people often talk about, well, we don't have performance-based Christianity. You know, we just, we just have love for people. But God tells us, you know, people so often go to one, one extreme or the other. But the reality is we don't have performance-based Christianity. For sure, it's all through Jesus Christ, what he's done for us. But how we live does testify to how we are right with God, whether we're right with God or not. I can guarantee you, you can know if I'm walking with God by, am I obeying God? If I'm not obeying God, no matter what I may say, no matter how I may look, I am not right with God because God tells us we can know that we know him. We can know that we're walking with him if we are obeying him. Yeah. And then at the end of chapter three, the whole concept of, and we've been indwelt by the spirit of God. So the spirit of God lives within us. And you know, Paul said in Romans eight, that if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the spirit has been given to us as the earnest of our inheritance. Maybe you've heard that term there in Ephesians chapter one. Here's the point. The point is the spirit of God as the third person of the Trinity is an active voice in our life day by day. And we need to be listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit who uses the word of God. He brings it to our memory. He helps us to understand it. He illuminates it. We, we need to not quench his ministry in our life or grieve him. And what's very interesting about grieving the spirit is to grieve the spirit means that we're using corrupt communication to speak ill of our brethren. That, that's what the Bible says in Ephesians 4 verses like 29 through 32. So it all comes together. The spirit of God is our helper to incentivize us to know the word of God so that we can have faith in what God has said so that we can love other people the way God expects for us to do it. That's a validation. So the spirit of God is the, he gives us the want to, and he gives us the, the how to, and he gives us the, the, the ability to, it is God that worketh in you. 
both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So much more to say, but we're out of time for today. We're going to jump into a brand new chapter next episode. So I hope you'll join us for that. And we'll talk about yet another test of assurance uh, for our bona fide salvation in the Lord. So I hope you'll be back for that episode as we start chapter four. Hope you have a great day today. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If everyday truth matters to you, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.